After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high-quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You got to check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome, presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings app today. Use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. Guys, coming up on today's show, I'm going to get you set for UFC 278 by telling you guys about an exciting co-main event. Some striking comments from Kamara Usman this week, and I'm also going to issue some advice for Patty the Batty. But before we get to that, let's break down what we saw over the weekend in mixed martial arts. Chino Vera is a star. I mean, that, that really is the final analysis from this weekend. Cheeto Vera goes in, he fights Dominic Cruz. We all know the story. Cheeto, surprisingly to me, was a two-to-one favorite. I didn't know that. I looked that up at the last minute. It was like Wednesday or Thursday of last week, a day or two before the weigh-ins. DraftKings has Cheeto as the favorite two-to-one. I did not agree with that. Thought it, it at least at a minimum surprised me, but Cheeto was polite. Cheeto did his media. He gets out there. When he goes out and wins, okay, now... I watched this fight, but I also followed along 
with a feed at bloodyelbow.com. They believed going into the first round that Vera was up two to one. I don't have the official scorecards. Those are out there. I don't have them. I thought Dominic was ahead three rounds to none. To the point that I think if I do go do the search and get those official scorecards, I'm going to be right. I think it was three rounds to ones, but Elbow saw something different. And I bring that to you because maybe you guys did too, and maybe I need to go back and see what I was looking at. I understand that Dominic fell down twice, rounds one and three. That has always been contested in our sport. Like that, that dialogue and that narrative has never been put to rest. If you knock a guy down, no matter what else happens in the round, are you guaranteed the round? Because in boxing, you are. And so many, the sport of box, we don't want anything to do with boxing, but so many times we do pull, we do draw from that. We have lingo and verbiage within our, within our sport that came only from, guys going to training camp. The first MMA guy to ever say training camp looked like a dork, and he should have. It was, I come from a wrestling background, training camp. That is an exclusive term to boxing. I only bring you that example because guys, we've, we've always pulled from boxing. We look at them, we know how wrong they do things, but we always pull. There's something about that. There's some kind of level of respect, purely into seniority, the fact that they were here first. What do we do in this sport? It's not clear. It's still not clear to this day. It's still debated. If you knock a guy down, regardless of what else happens, can you win the round if he doesn't knock you down? Now, I think the guy at Bloody Elbow believes yes. I think that's why he gave Vera rounds one and three. I'm not arguing with him. I'm suggesting for you because we could still go look this up and one of us is right. I thought Dom was winning. It's very relevant that you understand that because I gave you an assessment a week ago. I picked Dominic Cruz, but I told you in that assessment, Dominic's going to win the first round. After that, I don't know. This is going to be a dogfight. And one thing, if you follow Vera's career, if you just go back and look at Vera's first time beating a world champion, this is now his second time, his first time beating a world champion, third and final round, he lost the first two, clearly, to Frankie Edgar. So Frankie Edgar, who looked to be a better fighter, is now on his way out. He's going to retire. He's so frustrated by the outcome of that. Vera who wins the fight but only had one winning sequence, looks to be fighting for a world championship pretty soon. I mean, it's very different, right? The way you look at something. Chad Mendez got so frustrated, he retired from the sport because he lost to an unknown younger guy named Volkanovsky. But as time goes by, you start to see why when Chad pops in on a grappling event or Chad pops over a, a boxing cut, he kicks everybody's ass. That unknown non-veteran that got the jump over three-time title challenger, well, turned out there was more there than was known at the time. I shared with you a week ago, Dominic will win the first round, but Vera will be stronger in the second than he was the third, regardless of who wins the second. Vera will be a bigger problem in the third than he was in the first two, regardless of what happens in the third. Vera is going to be a bigger problem in the fourth. That's how he fights. It's one of those guys. I would not call him a slow starter. There is something that motivates him. There is something that excites him when he gets hit. There is something about the pain of him getting hurt or getting kicked that doesn't make him wilt. It makes him stronger. There's very few guys like that. But Vera is clearly one of them. A lot of times you paint him with a real simple brush. Oh, he's a slow starter. That's not what it is. Vera is not a slow starter. He's got a very good first round pace. He just holds that pace in rounds two as you fade. He holds that pace in the later rounds as you fade. You will get a little bit slower as you get tired. He stays equal. It's one of these spots. I really did think that Dom was up three to one. I thought that Dom had a perfect game plan. I thought Dom looked great because father time will catch everybody. I'm well aware of that. But we have set that clock on Dominic Cruz and we put that label on him for three years. And it hasn't. I'm also not convinced that it has now. I'm not convinced that he slowed down in the fourth round. I liked his speed. I liked Dominic's footwork. I liked his attack. I liked his aggressiveness. I liked his, I liked the whole thing. Look, he got caught with a shot that none of us could have taken. You take that shin to the face. We all have the same reaction as Dom. So I don't want Dom to be overly frustrated, but there is a question. Where does Dom go from here? And in these situations, everything has to be on the table. When I say everything, that includes retirement. 
I would not call for Dom's retirement. His skills are there. His ability is still there. I'm just sharing for you. Why come back? And fighters will continue on, and everybody will. Every person in every walk that they identify with, they do what they know. They will come back because they don't know to do anything else. There's no difference in this. But Dom, he would have to consider that. Dominic has been very clear that he is on a title run, much like Jose Aldo. I am on a title run. I am my final title run. As soon as I come off that track, I'm going to have to relook at it. Dominic's got a great job. He's got a great career. He's got a lot of other things to do. So let's consider that. And then, of course, give him time. Let's go back to Cheeto Vera. <clears throat> if Cheeto Vera did not just become the number one contender, there was no talk going into this fight that it was for a number one contendership. But if he did not just become the number one contender, then, of course, we're going to be looking to Sean versus Jan. If Sean wins, Sean's now the number one contender. Do we all agree on that? Well, we did until Cheeto just did what he did. Right, that, that's where things start to get a little bit weird. Now, those guys are going to have their argument, and one of them's going to win. Let's just say it's Sean. If Sean goes on to become champion, and Cheeto becomes the title challenger, Sean is champion, taking on the one and only guy that beat him. I mean, like, these stories work. Everything here works. You're talking about nail in a coffin. You guys have heard that expression? The nail in the coffin to this whole debate and back and forth of Cheeto having his breakout moment came at the post-fight press conference. Cheeto talked about Dominic Cruz. He talked about his style. He talked about what he viewed as problems to that style. And Cheeto Vera, trained by Jason Perillo. One thing about all guys that come in contact with Perillo, and it doesn't matter if it's for a week, if it's training camp, it's one of his old guys. They all have one thing in common, which is an understanding of the fundamentals. Everything that Perillo does, everything that Perillo teaches is very grounded in the fundamentals. And you see when you've got flare and flash versus straightforward approach. The fundamentals is what wins championships. What Cheeto did was very basic. What Cheeto did is very difficult. Because you got to walk into enemy territory. you got to take on a guy that you used to look up to. People are expecting you to win two to one. There was nothing special put on this like a number one contendership. You're losing portions of the fight. But you got to stay in that moment because you only need one. And you know that about yourself. It's exactly what got your hand raised at Madison Square Garden against Frankie Edgar. You only need one. I have X amount of time, and i got to find one. Very, very hard to do. I'm only sharing what your eyes are showing you are the basics. Chino Vera goes to the post-fight press conference. He buried Dom. Now, you can get into a discussion about the sportsmanship, or was that right? That's not what we're doing now. We're talking about Cheeto specifically, serving Cheeto specifically, it was a home run. It was a grand slam. But it needed to be done. Cheeto had to show up that press conference and he had to do and say the things that he did. That was the nail in the coffin. Where does Cheeto go from here? I mean, right, that's, your, that's up to you guys. Cheeto's going to want a specific and he's going to uh, take a look at the rankings and he's going to want uh, main events and major fights. You guys are going to decide. What do you want him to do? Take a look at the calendar. Should we still look at Sean versus Jan as our number one contenders fight for Sean? Should we still do that? And if we do, we're going to give Cheeto something to do in between that. The one way to end the discussion and the eventual debate that could happen of Sean getting the nod over the only guy that beat him. One way to solve that debate is to not show up for it. How do we not show up for it? We find something else for Cheeto to do before that comes. You get him busy, you get him tied up. Who do you want that to be? You only have good options, right? The Cheeto Vera story, the way he started his career, the way he would not accept this, the hard work that he put in, this it's an inspiring tale. So who do you think Cheeto should fight next? So Patty Pimlet was in attendance. For the UFC, it was in San Diego over the weekend. And guys, he looked different. I've got some thoughts. I need to get this off my chest. Patty the Batty. Look, guys, Patty and the weight has to stop. It's got to come to a screeching stop. And the only one that can stop it is Patty. For some reason, this is interesting to reporters. 
right? That was a real story when Patty went from 155 pounds to 200 pounds. That, that was a real story because he did it in like six days and he took cameras around with him and they showed everything that he, it's got to stop. First off, it's not interesting. And Patty the fatty doesn't make you a clever guy, by the way. And for Patty to continue to be painted by the same, I read an article today, but I've read one every single week since the first piece came out about how Patty likes to eat not show up to practice and take his eye off the ball for a couple of weeks after a fight. It was interesting then. It's not now. It's got to stop. There's too many interesting things for Patty. There's too many. Where does he go? Who is he going to fight? What's going to be next? Are we doing the Dana plan? And we're, we're, we're bringing, bringing him back, bringing him out to the East, put him in Boston, put him in MSG, take him to Vegas, move him over to pay-per-view. Like there's too many interesting things. The fact that none of the top guys call him out, none of them. Patty's talking about, I can't get in there with ranked opponents. Ranked opponents aren't trying to get in there with Patty. And Patty hasn't fully served himself. For Patty to come out and say a name would be helpful. Either way, the Patty and the weight has got to stop. It makes him look foolish. It really does. Eventually, that's going to bite you in the ass. And now people are going to say, and they're going to explain, and he wasn't disciplined, and he eats too many donuts. It's just weird. The whole thing is weird. It's very nerdy. What a guy eats or if he likes to jelly donuts, it's, it's just a weird thing to talk about. And you'll do that when you have nothing else. But when you're as interesting of a guy, when you're a character with so much substance, when you have the potential in the future and the projections of Patty the Batty, get it over there. Get the topic over there. Quit telling people what you eat. He wants to know, he wants to know what you weigh. Ask him what he weighs. It's one of those. Stop. There's, there's nothing interesting about this. It's actually quite silly. Now, Patty does play along with it. That's what I'm encouraging to stop. Stop answering these questions. Stop playing along. What a guy weighs is not interesting, and it never has been in the history of time. You've never seen a TV show, and now let me show you what this guy weighs. Shut up. If you weren't interested, and it's all you've got, and it's all people will talk about, okay, fine. But if you get some nerd or reporter that thinks that it's interesting that you bumped up a few kilos, like I'm, just, I'm really encouraging. You've got to stop this. Who you're going to fight next? Why you're going to fight him? Why it matters? Patty came out and he was talking about it. He was just open. Patty's always open when they ask him this. I'm encouraging him to not be. I'm encouraging him to shove it up your ass. It's not interesting. Ask me something about fighting. It's my encouragement. I don't know if I'll get my way. But when Patty got asked about this, he said, "Yeah, you know my my weight goes. I like to let it go. He called it chub rub." I like to have some chub rub in between fights. Okay, I can live with that. My coach, Clayton Heyer, thought that you have to gain weight after a fight. He wanted to see your first day into training camp heavy. So he wanted to have something to work with that he could actually see as you start to get in shape and you start to get more fit. He liked that. So I don't turn on Patty, but Patty did make one statement and he said, I realize that's not a game, the yo-yo, that's not a game that I can continue to play. I realize that doesn't have longevity. That was good. I was happy to hear Patty say that. And he said, once I start fighting ranked guys, I will stop doing that. That part bothered me. That part was the immaturities coming in. Nothing in life works out that way, right? I'll start paying taxes once I start making more money, right? It's, it's one of those things. I'll quit drinking after this weekend's part. Like it's, that never works. If there is something that Patty is identified, Patty thinks him gaining weight and him coming down, he's got the Clayton Hires approach. Okay, we're all done here. But that's not what he said. He said that he does believe that it's a bad thing. And that when the time is right, he'll stop doing it. Is Patty a hard fight? Can we agree with that? If Patty was watching this, I'll just ask him about himself. Patty, are you a hard fight? He's going to say, yeah, I'm a hard fight. Okay, Patty, are you ranked? No. Okay. So now we've really successfully achieved a goal of proving that your ranking versus your difficulty are not the same thing. What do you want from these top-ranked guys? You want an opportunity is what you want, but for some reason we all buy into the idea that if you're a top-ranked guy, you can just stay in your little elitist club. The top five guys fight number three and four and one and two. What about the other guys? How do they get up there? How do they get up there if we're going to accept that as a community? We can't accept it. Not to mention, it's not true. I don't think Mark Madsen is ranked. Bo Nickel is not ranked. Until this time last year, Hazma Chemayev was not ranked. We got to have the rankings. But I remember where I was the day that it came out. It was 2012 and I was in what we call the green room, the avocado room. 
at Fox. We were happy it came out, and we at Fox had made a big push to get rankings because we knew as talking heads, we knew as commentators, that we now have a jumping off point. We have something for controversy because anytime people are judging people, it's not going to be fair. Anytime something isn't fair, it creates controversy, and controversy creates one thing, which is cash. We were happy. It was never meant to be a way for fighters to hide out, for fighters to avoid doing something. It's not highly publicized. Sports Illustrated has never even listed our rank. They've listed it for every sport there is. They haven't listed ours. But the fighters ended up getting these rankings. They knew where to go. They knew what .com, and then somehow it meant something to them. There's never been a sponsor, just so you understand, where you get paid more money if you have a ranking. There's never been a pay-per-view where you get a higher participation point because of what, when I tell you the rankings don't matter, I want that to be an absolute. It's not. It's a good place to start. I want it to be an absolute. I want it to be an absolute because the fighters have corrupted it. It was never meant to be an ability to get out of things. Now, Patty's said, I'm going to eat donuts because I don't have a guy that's got a number next to him. You know the guy got the number next to his name? Somebody or some group of bodies who have never been named and never will at 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning at an undisclosed location choose. Does that sound like anything that you would want to base your life around? Does that sound like anything that you would ever want to count on? Does that sound like anything that you should take as official or serious? It's an interesting question. When I grew up, football. Football through college was done something called the BCS, but the BCS was a computer program. And it had an algorithm that nobody fully understood. And you'd have, was it Auburn? or Tulane, it was some university that you hadn't heard of a whole bunch, but boy, they'd been undefeated for like three years. Now they were never national champions. They weren't selling their t-shirts. It was a school that not only had I not heard of them, I can't produce the name. Was it Tulane? Do you guys remember this? Is there even a school called Tulane? A school called Auburn? They went years undefeated. Years. Like four out of six years. They never won a national championship. Whatever it was within the algorithm, teams that did lose would be champion Why these guys were left out. Because they didn't understand the algorithm. It had, to, it had to do with who you played. It had to do where they were ranked the day that you played. It had to do with the scores that you have. Nobody could explain it to you because it was a bunch of garbage. Then one day the computer gets beat and they put two teams out. We have all agreed we're going to give a national championship tens of millions of dollars to whatever university a program kicks out. The program had a jam and they put two names out. It was Nebraska and somebody else, co-champions. Doesn't work. That, that is a term that is exclusive, mutually exclusive. You cannot coincide with co-champions. It's an oxymoron. I happen to be in Nebraska. It's the only reason I remember this. It's the only reason I know the year, 1998. Nebraska lit up. The celebrations were in the street. I was out there with my wrestling team. We had one heck of a good time just being part of the celebration that Nebraska was having. Now, that was going on somewhere else in the country, too, because somebody else was also the national champion. That is garbage. That is rotten garbage to the highest of levels. They accepted it. Stunningly. And so did all of the other teams, including the undefeated Tulane, who, whatever. They all accepted it. That's silly and that's laughable, but now we have guys doing that with an MMA. Patty is going to control his diet based on a ranking put out by people or persons unnamed in an undisclosed location at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Tuesday mornings. That's weird and that needs to stop. Before I get to UFC 278, I want to talk about Jake Paul and who he should try to fight next. When Top Ramen Fight got canceled, the internet collectively decided Jake's next opponent for him, and I want to talk about it. Jake Paul KSI. Guys, I don't know where this is going to go. If I was to predict it, it's headed for nowhere land. But it's interesting because I'm curious on Jake's next move. I'm really curious on what Jake is going to do next. 
Jake started off with something that really appeared to have a life. Less than two years, celebrity box, but it wasn't just Jake. It wasn't just what Jake was going to do. Other guys started doing it. I mean, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones, not for that's what that was about. Evander Holyfield coming back. That's what that was about. Oscar De La Hoya going to get in there with Vitor Belfort. That's what that was about. That is some level of sustainability. I'm just sharing with you, it's not boxing. Like for the WBC or the IBF to, to kind of look away and say, this isn't going to affect our rankings. Like it's one of those things. And Jake, over a very short period, realized, hey, I'm actually really good at this, and I would like to get recognized. On a personal note, I would like to test this, but I'd also like my recognition. He chose to do that. I can't fault him at all. But when he did that, he's now part of the dirtiest business and sport we've ever seen. It's my sport. I'm not looking to put it down. I'm just saying that I do understand it. It is a sport that is so dirty that a free republic known as the United States had to bring in the government to regulate it. That has never happened. And Jake decided he wanted to be part of that, and he decided he was going to take advice and listen to those guys. It became a problem. He got burned not once, twice. He got burned twice. Guys, he wanted to make millionaires. Guys that should love him, that should put a picture of him up in their family home. They burned him. Okay. What's he going to do next? I mean, you don't have a lot of options. Do I continue down this, try again, try harder? Or do I say, screw it and go back to what I already know worked? So he's getting this talk going with KSI. That doesn't mean he's going to fight KSI. I just thought it was perhaps a glimpse into what Jake is doing. Now, Jake is not being challenged by the boxing community. They don't want to fight him. Nobody is stepping forward. They do not want to fight him. But he's also not being challenged by the entertainment industry. I mean, right, there's some ruffled boys out there. Hockey claims to have them. Football claims to have them. But none of them have stepped up, and they want the million dollars in the big marquee spot either, right? I mean, you can't just go to a level of celebrity that'll fight him. You can't go to the boxing world to fight him. Apparently, the whole world is apparently scared of Jake Paul. Well, KSI is not, for whatever reason. So maybe they are going to have to, by default, go in that direction, and I'm not against it. But there's another guy. His name is Andrew Tate. I was contacted by Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate made a video. It didn't do terribly well. He did it about two months ago. He called out Jake Paul. But in those last two months, Tate has exploded. He's being discussed on the Joe Rogan show. I'm discussing him now. Logan Paul, Jake's brother, discussed him this morning. Barstool Sports. Dave Portnoy personally interview Tate. All of a sudden, Andrew Tate, a guy that called out Jake Paul two months ago, all of a sudden meets the criteria that Jake's looking for, which is people are interested in him and he brings a base. I should mention for you that Andrew Tate is a four-time world kickboxing champion. So things are very, very different and Tate will show up. I mean, just so you understand, Andrew Tate says he'll show up. He'll show up. Believe me, I don't know how many guys you can say that about. And it's to the point that Jake himself spoke about Logan. I I apologize, Andrew Tate with his brother Logan. They were very dismissive. They I don't like the guy's shtick. I don't like that he's out here telling kids they got to buy Bugattis. I mean, he he did a whole breakdown on it, but he still discussed him, right? I mean, that's how fights start. Somebody rejects the fight or rejects the opponent or rejects the challenge or rejects the premise as a way of discussing that person so that you, the audience, who's going to make up the decision on this, you're the customer, can come back and tell them what you think about it. So Andrew did his part. He called out Paul. Then he went and got himself famous. He checks the box. Jake would love a ranking. He would love to be on a top 10 or a top 15 of a sanctioned and recognized commission. But go be in a four-time world Kickboxing champion, that means something too. And whether some little organization that nobody trusts, knows who head, knows what country it's in, knows anything. You don't know anything about the WBO, WBA, WBC, IFC, IB. I mean, I could keep going. You don't know who leads them. You don't know where their funding comes from. You don't know where their office is. None of you. So you can care what those guys, that you can. Or you could come what the people think. And Andrew Tate becomes a really interesting option. Andrew Tate, 
is cronies with my buddy, Luke Barnott. Luke Barnott is on an airplane right now to travel to a different country, I believe it's Romania, to go spar with Andrew Tate. I'm just, I'm just bringing this to you. This is real. If that's what you guys want to see, speak up. Logan didn't hear about it two months ago, but he knows about it now. Jake wasn't asked about it two months ago, but he's asked about it today. There could be legs to it. I also just think it solves a lot of problems, right? Going out and figuring what you could do to put on a show with Jake. I mean, you, you've now got problems that you never thought you were going to have, such as, can I get the show off the ground? You talk about bell time. Can I get the bell, right, right? Can I get the fight to the ring? We didn't, no one ever thought they'd have that problem, particularly when you've got a million dollars to put up to incentivize somebody to walk to the ring. So you, he's got problems that we never knew that he would have. But he also has his own desires. He also has his own motivations. He's made that very clear. He wants to be recognized by you. Would you be more impressed as far as a legit skilled badass if Jake goes and beats up KSI, or would you be more impressed if he goes and beats up a four-time world champion in Andrew Tate? MMA fans, UFC 278 has an action-packed fight card capped off with the anticipated world title bout between Usman and Edwards, which happens to be a rematch. Throw down and grab your own epic victory with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. This Saturday, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also get a $10 risk-free same-game parlay. Just combine multiple bets, like which fighter will come out on top, how long the fight will last, and more. I gotta tell you, Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockholt keeps changing. Paulo, is he going to make weight? Is he going to return to a number one contender? And Luke Rockholt is one of the few former world champions floating around the division. His name still matters. And that is why I'm keeping an eye on this weekend's co-main event. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Do it right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Bet $5 on UFC 278 and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code CHAIL this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhalt. You know, this is kind of the fight that can't get here quick enough. We're all anticipating this fight. How come? I mean, the things that we think we know about fighting. There's trash talk and the championship and the records and the resumes and what the ranking is. None of us have ever given a damn about the ranking, but boy, you guys pretend you do. I'll sit here and tell you, I don't even know where to get the rankings and I'll, uh, this whole thing in the comment section. But you've never wanted to see a fight based on ranking. Never, ever in the history of you as a fan, you go, well, this guy's number three and this guy's number two. God damn, I got to mark that count on my calendar. I'm going to have a party. I'm going to tell my friends who's fighting. I say, who can't fight? Who cares who's fighting? It's number three versus number two. Bring the pizzas and be here at seven. That's never happened. That's not a real thing. It's garbage. But this fight is very interesting. These guys are a co-main event of a pay-per-view, an extremely difficult position to get in. I know Paulo Costa did not win his last fight because against Marvin Vittori, and I can remember. I can't remember who Luke's last opponent was. Luke hasn't been in there in a period of time. I can't remember, but I think it was Blahovitz. I think that was the last time we saw Luke, and he didn't win. So you have two guys who did not win their last fight that are the co-main event of a pay-per-view in a very difficult position that you can get. By example, Jose Aldo, one of the goats in the history of the sport, who was on a championship run, is on this same card. He will be earlier in the evening. How'd they get there? Why do we care so much about Paulo and Luke? Not a trick question. I'm in the same spot. I'm questioning myself. What have they done? What about this is so interesting? Now, Luke came out. See, I think the sport's more fun with Luke. And Luke gets negativity. 
But I feel that he should get gratitude. And I feel that him getting a co-main placement proves that people do enjoy him. Like, there's not a debate now. As much as you want to have the Luke hate, the fact that he's on this placement of the card, I think, proves that something's working. But Luke is still Luke, and Luke did an interview, and he was talking about Bo Nickel. Luke wasn't being a jerk in the least. Now, he put Bo down. He said he's not ready. Runs into somebody like me. He's going to get whipped. Lou talked about wrestling and the effectiveness of wrestling, but the wrestling is very different. Look, if anybody's got the right to put down wrestling and or think they have the answer for it, it's Luke. He was in the room every day with Josh Koscheck, with Daniel Cormier, with Khabib Nurmagomedov, right? These top wrestlers. If anyone does know how to deal with wrestling, okay, fine, it's going to be Luke. As a matter of fact, that's a very interesting match. Bo Nickel versus Luke Lockhart is very interesting. There's not a scenario where Dana White is going to put Bo Nickel who has never fought in the UFC against a former UFC champion. He's not going to make that match. He's not going to ask that of Bo or of anybody else. That's different if Luke calls out Bo. That's a totally different circumstance. I like the concept. I like the idea. I don't have to see Bo versus Luke. I like the fast track. I don't like when you have a guy that has a big name, and Bo does. For a guy that's never stepped on the octagon, you tell me somebody associated with the UFC that has a bigger name. I don't think you're going to find it. And I don't like the idea that he's going to be early or he's going to be on free TV or he's not going to be on pay-per-view or he's going to fight another guy that we haven't heard of. I don't like that idea. Once you're in, you're in. The club's the club. It was very hard to get there. Bo has had over a thousand competitions before he got there. But once you're there, you're there. That's it. The Olympics doesn't play these games, by example. If you're in the Olympics, however you got there and whatever your record is, you can have the defending champion in the very first round. Fair game. In many ways, the way it should be. The defending champion is now being given a favor, at least in theory. The NCAA doesn't play these games. The NFL doesn't play these games. I don't think that they should exist. Once you're there, you're there. You're good enough to be here or you aren't. And if a guy would give you an opportunity, go out there and take it. I really do think it's one of those things. I don't like that. I have never seen the idea of build a guy work. I have heard promoters talk about it from the beginning of time. I'm going to build that. I, who'd you do it with? Who did you build? Show me. Tell me. Tell me who you gave three or four fights to, put a whole bunch of money into. Now their contract's almost out. Now their heads are in the cloud because you put it there helping them out. Tell me one time that that's ever worked. Oh, and by the way, they're now worth more. They can bring in a greater ROI. Tell me somebody you did that with unless you did it against name competition. I hear the fear, oh, I'm going to build a guy. That's a good way to be Brewster's millions, which is what most guys that jump into this sport turn up being. How fast can we burn through a pile of money? If you have somebody at the table advising, somebody at the table even advises you, let's build a guy, fire them. It is terrible, rotten advice. But it's very different if Luke calls for Bo. Not to mention Luke makes a very fair point. I mean, if anybody could deal with a wrestler, it really is Luke. Truly. So it does make for a fascinating match. And so many guys that are up there, like Luke, former world champions, these top guys, what would I possibly gain from fighting him? Well, nothing bad has ever come from winning, and it doesn't matter who it's against. Daniel Cormier found himself in this spot. He fought Pat Cummings, who had never been in the organization, and Daniel's reward after that fight against an opponent unranked and unknown, Daniel's next fight he fought for a world championship. Dan Henderson was in an interesting spot. Dan Henderson's contract was up. He fought a brand new guy that nobody had footage of or tape of. This guy had a hell of a reputation. His name was Husamar Pelharis. And Pelharis had a trick move. It was a heel hook. And for MMA, those are uncommon. They exist, but they're uncommon. But Pelharis had an extreme... Four or five different setups that you've never seen before. Extremely aggressive. He had a different body type. Very powerful. A little bit shorter than most guys. He was a handful and he was a problem. He was also brought in to beat Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson was the pound for pound greatest fighter to have ever done it. You could have that debate and people did. But nobody covered the spread but Dan. He fought for world championships at 85. He won world championships at 205. And he knocked out two heavyweights at heavyweight. He was the only guy that covered. You want to talk about who pound for pound has done the most? There was one guy. You had Dan Henderson and you had Kenny Florian that actually covered the spread and made it to the top. There wasn't much of a debate. And he's got to fight a guy who's never even done it. For whatever reason. And when Dan's phone rang, Dan said, yes, the people didn't know who he was fighting. 
It wasn't about getting credit. The story started to build. The story started to get out. By the time they got in there, there was anticipation. And when the old dog beats the new guy, it's a big deal. And it was for Dan too. And he went on from there to not only make millions of dollars and headline countless shows, he also fought for world championships. It is a huge misconception about who I'm fighting and what that's going to do for me. It's huge. It is not true. Chemayev is getting ready to take on Nate. There at one point was a 12 to 1 spread, which is silly, but set that aside. That fight will never get named a number one contenders match. You can't do that because, right, Nate might not come back. You can't do that. But we could all imagine if Chemayev gets a result in the direction of where the odds are at, where he is next fighting for a world championship. All of that ranking and who's who and I've got to finish, that is with, that's in your head. And I wish that it would change. This is just me, the fan. I'm not going to get my way, but I do wish that that would change. I think Bo Nickel, as soon as he's in the UFC, everybody's open. I don't care if he's 2-0. I don't care if he's 3-0. If he's here, he's here. And the Olympics agrees with me. The NCAA agrees with me. The NFL and the NBA all agree with me. If you're here, you're open to anyone else here. I don't care how long you've been here versus them, what your rank is versus their, what your record is versus that. You're here and they're here. Fight. I've never seen somebody get a victory. And then Joe Rogan interview him and go, well, you know, of course, this doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, people know who you are. You're a marquee guy. And, you know, this guy, uh, uh, his name, what was his name again? Uh, uh, so I realize this means nothing, but uh, would you like to thank anybody? Want to say hi to your mom? Like, it doesn't work that way. Every time you compete, you're given the same platform. That platform is what provides the opportunity. Not the unnamed person or persons that go into an undisclosed location at 9 a.m. Pacific time on Tuesday morning and tell us the rankings. That's not who does it. That's not how it works. I'm watching Jake Paul chasing, putting his life on hold, working his ass off, putting his money up, putting all these to try to get a ranking with the WBA, WBO, IBF, IBC, any one of these bodies he would really respect. I've been a fight fan since I was born. I mean, my father did that to me, brought me right in. I don't know who the president of any one of those organizations is. I'm not trying to be funny. I don't know where they're located. I think that they're American-based. I can't prove that. Boxing is much bigger in other parts of the world. It would make good sense that maybe they are somewhere. But I don't know. I don't know what their phone number is. If I wanted to write a letter over there, I don't know where to mail it to. But neither do you. Some of those organizations aren't real. We've seen it in MMA. There was something called WAMA that came out at one point. Those aren't real. That's somebody that's got an internet connection. I'm just sharing with you that nothing bad comes from competing. Nothing bad comes from winning. But there real is a real honor and a real rarity in a person who will truly take on anybody. The take on anybody is a real brave thing when you're down here and they're all up here and you're willing to go and try. It's equally as impressive, just not discussed as much, when you're up here and you're willing to take on anybody. It doesn't advance you. It doesn't get you further. It doesn't get you a shiny belt. It's competition. It gets you the proof and the validation that you're still and you belong where you are. There's a real honor in that. Guys don't see it. I think the fact that Luke didn't call out Bo, he didn't call out Bo, but he got close to it. I think that's a cool thing. And that match does not get made for Bo's debut unless Luke makes it. That would change things completely. Not predicting for you, that's where they go. I am just bringing to your attention, Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold, it doesn't have the ingredients that you insist that you want, but it is the fight that we're all looking forward to. Moving on to the main event, I'll do a fight breakdown on Friday's show, but today I want to tell you guys some comments Usman made recently, and it's about his legacy and respect. 
Kamara Usman explained why he wants to go to 205 pounds. Now, a couple things here, guys. Okay, Kamara Usman is days away from being on a scale. Add 24 hours to that, he's in the ring with Leon. Leon has thought about nobody for five and a half years but Kamara Usman. The same is not this uh, true for Kamara. When you beat a guy and you put him in the rear view, I think that we all understand that. But he's days away. He did an interview. It had nothing to do with Leon. And we talked about this over. What are we to make of that? What are we to make that Kamara Usman is talking about everything from his brother to his training to relationship advice to boxing? Canelo, he's talked about everything you could talk about except Leon. What do we make of that? Anything? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking the question. It's unusual. And for a period of time, I thought, well, we're, it's just premature. His brother is what's up next. His commentary, the relationship advice, like these are what's next. This boxer versus MMA, he's he's completely fine. When we get close to Leon, he's going to zero in. Well, this interview was done yesterday. I read it this morning. It had nothing to do with Leon. What do you make of that? No wrong answer. What do we make of that? Now, Kamara did say why he was looking at 205 pounds. This is a real look. This is a real insight into Kamara Usman. I am fascinated by Kamara. I never had his success. So it's very tough for me to tell you, right? I follow the golden rule in life all the time. Put myself in someone else's shoes. What would I do as a way of predicting what they're going to do? I can't. And I can't come to you guys, right? I mean, it's, it's a rare level of success. It's so rare that there's now a, a coin, a, a phrase coin just for him. It's called lapping the division. I've never heard that term in all of MMA. Dana White came out and talked about it for Kamar Usman for when you beat everybody and now you're beating them a second time. It's called lapping the division. Imagine you're so good, Dana White's got to make up a phrase for you. Right? I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to explain Kamar Usman. What makes him tick? What keeps him motivated? Motivation will get its ass kicked. Motivation will get you beat when it's confronted by discipline. Discipline eats motivation breakfast all day long. So is that where Kamara's at? Is he just ultra-disciplined? See, I think he's talking about Canelo, not because his eye's off Leon. I think that freshens things up. I think it's a new challenge. I think Kamara's talking about 205 pounds, not because he's not focused on Leon, because he's looking for something else to do. He's looking for a bigger challenge. I find that his level of success has put him in that unique of a spot, but he did give us some insight. He said, I'm looking at 205 about respect. I want people to know when they discuss me, they're discussing the greatest ever. I can live with that. I get it. I thought it was a very candid answer. It also surprises me that the number one ranked pound for pound fighter in the world who has been in a discussion for the greatest of all time, only going head-to-head with George Saint-Pierre. Over a period of time, he'll win that argument, by the way. Is worried about getting respect. That surprised me. Almost disappointed me in us. What have we done to make him doubt himself or make him doubt our appreciation of him? What have we done? What kind of tweets is he receiving in his timeline? What kind of feedback is he getting where he thinks that that's even questioned? And if you're fighting for respect, you're not fighting for money. You're not fighting for championships. You're fighting for respect. That's a very different intangible. Because now you're talking about having a chip on your shoulder. It doesn't matter where that comes from. Whatever that chip is, wherever slighted you feel that you are, as long as it exists... Even if you've got to create it. I could sit here and tell Kamara 20 different ways that that's silly. The community views him in a wonderful light. If he doesn't believe it, that's very positive for him. I will warn and caution you guys. It's always okay to read and hear what people say about you, but don't believe it. Either way, if they tell you you're worthless, don't believe it. If they tell you you're the greatest, don't believe it. As soon as your eye comes off that ball, as soon as getting better even one degree every single day in practice, as soon as you start throwing up 15 minutes late and or leaving 15 minutes early, it's over. It's not going to come back. You do not go from one to five and return to one. And so Kamar Uzmas is sharing with us that he feels he's 
not respected in the way that he wants to. That's what 205 pounds is about. I don't think his eyes off Leon, guys. I realize he's not talking about him. I realize he's not building, but I don't think that his eye is off of him. If he is in the room working on his boxing, and it's not to outbox Leon, it's out to box Canelo, that's a good thing. If he's in the room every day training and preparing and pushing himself and building his body and mind, it doesn't have to do with Leon, but it does have to do with Yuri Prohaska and or John Jones should he return and or Glover Teixeira should he reinsert himself. It's one of these things, but that's what he's using. That's what he's needed because he's already lapped the division. I don't question Kamara for that. I'm learning from Kamara. I'm learning about Kamara. I'm learning what it's like when you're up there in that loft when you don't have anybody you can turn to for advice because they've not done what you've done. They've not had the successes that you have had. It's very incredible. It does, in many ways, open an opportunity for Leon. Sure. Sure. The element of surprise is very effective. But I don't know that I'm buying that Kamara doesn't know fully what he's getting into, particularly in light of the fact that he's already done it. He's already been in there with Leon confidence will bite you. Guys love to talk about confidence. Coaches love to preach. You got to have confidence. How do I get confidence? How? What store do I go to? I'll buy it now. Quit telling me I have to have confidence. No, I don't. If I'm making chocolate chip cookies, I have to have chocolate chips. If I want to have success, I don't have to have confidence. And by the way, that's good because I can't. I can't control it. Those same coaches will tell you, you have to want it. You have to be motivated. How? Where do I go to get motivation? why I tell you discipline trumps everything. Kamara is not not focused on Leon. He's putting himself and he's creating situations, even if it's within his mind, that are greater, harder, and more grand. That's how he's preparing for Leon. Don't misunderstand these interviews. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And as always, I'm going to give you my official prediction for UFC 278 on Friday. I'm going to do Usman versus Edwards 2, Marab versus Aldo, Costa versus Rockhall. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.